And just to add a bit of context to that, um, the year prior, I I moved to like New York. So I, in in total, I haven't seen my mom for like just over two years. And imagine when I'm finally traveling to go see her, I'm receiving phone calls telling me that she's passed away. Real men, real stories, real life. This is the Belated Exchange Podcast. It's your boy, Zach. Welcome to the first episode of the Belated Exchange Podcast. I'm glad you all could tune in. As you know, us men keep a lot of things to ourselves, not willing to share the innermost thoughts and feelings with anyone. What I've come to realize is that generally, we are all battling with the same things, and most of the time, it's alone. This show will begin to break that behavior and start to open up more of a conversation. Today, we have a special guest in the building, my 29-year-old Nigerian brother by the name of Izzy, who unfortunately lost his mom early on in his life. What's bizarre about this story is that it wasn't even his family that broke him the news, bringing him a lot of confusion around such a devastating time. With that being said, let's jump right into it. My man Izzy, thank you for coming down. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, by the way. No problem. No problem. So we've already kind of given the the audience a bit of background uh, on the story, but can you just, you know, take us back to how this all started for you? Yeah. So this happened around, is it October, October 2017. So at the time I was 27 years of age. What basically happened is um, I knew my mom was ill. Um... And my auntie had called me while I was at work and she asked me to book a flight home. So when she said that, I knew it must have been really serious. So I booked the the flight for the, the following week. And, you know, I spoke to my mom for the last time. Uh, f- uh, I spoke to my mom for the last time and I couldn't really get sentences out of her, but it was like as if she was, you know, she was using like the breathing machines. I forgot what they're called. And so because of that, I thought maybe that's why she couldn't speak to me. But I didn't know that she was, you know, on her last legs, to say the least. Um, so on the weekend, I tried to call her because, you know, I was I, I didn't tell her I was flying back yet because I wanted it to be kind of like a surprise. So I was calling her. To, um, I was calling her. But she didn't pick up. I went to my friend's house to watch a game. It was like the Chelsea Manchester United at the time. And while I was there, I received a phone call from a random person who I've never met before, never spoken to. And he called and he said to me that, hi, um, I am your mom's barrister. And um, actually, he said, I am your late mom's barrister. So obviously hearing that, I was thinking, wow, late mom i was like yeah that obviously insinuates that you know that that she's passed at that point right yeah exactly and i've not heard this from family members i've not heard it from my auntie who was with her and so you I, also I, never met this person before this barrister never, you, you you didn't even recognize the voice i would assume right exactly i I never met him so i was kind of like nah, you're because i've lost my grandma so i thought maybe he might be referring to my grandma who passed away like a couple years before um mm. but, but and i said what's her name and he, he said my mom's full name and i was like what and i just 
basically went into like a random room and just broke down and um you know my friends came over and they saw me crying and they were like what's going on are you okay what's going on and i told them yeah my mom passed away and then it was just it was just you know everyone was just trying to console me at that point got a cab they got me a cab back home and some of my friends came over and I just remember being in the bathroom, locking myself out and just being in like severe pain. And mm. at the same time, what I couldn't fathom was the fact that it ha it came from a stranger and it didn't come from my, you know, my auntie or my or, family. Or any family member. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I know that weekend, actually, my auntie was flying to London. So... I was trying to call her, but it was going to voicemail because she was probably on the flight. Um, no, she was on the flight. Um, so I called another auntie who's another of my mom's sisters and I spoke to her and I think she was not meant to tell me anything, but she kind of gave it away and she was like, Izzy, uh, she was like, Izzy, take heart, take heart. And I, I, that just sent me into an emotional spiral. I was just... You know, because at that point, it's kind of confirmation for me. Because right. if it's another family that's saying it, then surely that's enough confirmation for me. Hmm. Um, however, however, um, when my auntie did arrive in London, I, I, I called her, I spoke to her and I was like, hey, uh, I've been told that my mom passed away. Why didn't you not tell me? And she was like, who told you that? She was like, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Who told you that? And then I told I told her it was the um, barrister, right. and I told her that her sister, one of her sisters, obviously confirmed it as well. And then she was like, "No, it's all nonsense. They're all speaking nonsense. Right. Don't listen to anything they're saying." And he, she asked for the number, saying that she's going to deal with this person. Right. So at that point, it kind of gave me this hope that what they were saying wasn't true uh, yeah yeah at that point you know right. you, you kind you want to grasp you want to like keep hold of any bit of hope that you have and you know it gave me some sense of hope and when it came to me flying back to nigeria because obviously she passed away in nigeria um i actually got there before my auntie and she said I should just wait. She's flying in the next day. She flew in the next day and that's when they took me into a room and they, you know, broke the news to me. Mm -hmm. And they said the reason why they didn't want to tell me was because, like, you're not supposed to be alone when they break such news to you. So um, that's why also <clears throat> that barrister telling me was wrong because they're not. he's not supposed to do it and it's not his place to do it. So you're right. supposed to be like around family when you hear that kind of news. So um, is that is that more so like a cultural thing um, that you're supposed to be around family to kind of hear that kind of news and it's not supposed to come from anyone else? Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say it's more more so a cultural thing um, mm. because you know also like I remember when I told like my dad, for instance, my dad says, "Yeah, you're not supposed to be alone." Oh, like they'll always ask you. Oh, where are you? You should come to the house or something like that because you know you're just not. I think it's because when you're dealing with news that is that devastating, 
you know, anything can happen. Some people could, you know, just act crazy or you just need someone to console you and you need, like, family to, to just be there for you at that point. So, <clears throat> so yeah, when she told me, I, I just kind of broke down because any bit of hope I may have grasped onto just, you know, disappeared. Um, and then shortly after, we took a trip to the mortuary and mm-hmm. that was when I you know they brought out the body and honestly speaking i've seen dead bodies before i've seen like my grandparents bodies before but it's just very weird when it's like your mom and it's like it's someone that you you literally came from you came out of um and you know i don't know i kind of regret this cuz I didn't see her for like over two years and yet the last time I saw her I just didn't want to touch her mm. and, and the reason for that was I don't know I just I just found it weird that she just looked so lifeless there was literally no life and that 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 hit me like so hard um, um yeah man it just it just really hit me but wow. anyway, so my auntie just, you know, my auntie was just, what she said was she she dealt it with it pretty well. I know she was really hurt because obviously that's her sister. That's her older sister, just, you know, like about a year or two years older than her. And, yeah. you know, my auntie was just there looking at the body and she just said, yeah, she's at peace. Mm. She's at peace and... And, I'm, I'm, and do you have any siblings or was it just yourself? So I'm the only son of my mom. Right. So I'm, I'm right. the only son of my mom. So, and my mom had me at 17 years of age. So my mom was only 17 years older than me. So she was pretty young. I was 27 at the time. She was 44. So you can imagine wow. how that felt because you know it was it was one of those things where I, I never really lived with my parents I didn't yeah I didn't live with my parents so to say I was I was born I was born in Nigeria at the age of uh, I was born in Nigeria I came to England at the age of six and obviously when when I was born my mom was still at university was still in school right so my grandma pretty much brought me up within those first six years of my life then I moved to England with my uncle um, and then I moved back to Nigeria at some point did boarding school there and then I moved back and I lived with my parents right with my so my stepmom and my dad and then shortly I went to university so really and truly I never really like lived with my mom as much even though I I, I saw her at some point when I was going boarding school. So I just felt like, you know, I didn't really get to spend time with my mom, even though I was like 27 years of age. Right. So, so it, it really got to me because I just felt like at the time where I was, you know, making some strides in life and trying to better myself, that's when, you know, the I had that huge setback just came and it just demoralized me. So after, you know, kind of seeing your mom, um, 
and uh, you know, speaking to your auntie, how soon after that point uh, did you have to bury her? So my trip, if I remember correctly, so my mom passed away on like the third of November, but I was in, I think I, I was only in Nigeria for like about ten days or so. So within that trip, we buried her, and <clears throat> so one okay. of, so what my mom, so my mom actually had like her her request that she wanted so she didn't want to to get buried like she didn't want to get buried she wanted to be cremated and she wanted me to keep the ashes so that was in one of her final requests and she had everything in writing because when it comes to especially nigeria and uh there's just a lot of politics when it comes to like family stuff regarding things like that because culturally they don't really believe in cremation they're they 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 want they they don't believe in cremation, right? So my mom made sure that she kind of wrote a note and she signed it. And because of that, I just made sure that, you know, that we, that I was going to give her her wish. But that came with its um, challenges, right? So first challenge was, you know, I had to speak to the elders of the family and even when I told them, you know, you had to tell them that you're, that she's passed away. And what they'd expect from that, they would say, okay, bring her back to the village. And I'm in Lagos, right? I'm not trying to go back to the village. And the village is a, it's a small town called Uguta, which is um, in the east. So I'm not trying to go back to the village and also trans have, having to transport like a a body right 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 and obviously this yeah, goes yeah. against uh what, what your mother actually wanted as yeah, well yeah exactly she she wanted she wanted um she didn't she just wanted to be cremated so you know um my my auntie just helped me navigate the whole thing in terms of speaking to those elders and um making sure everyone was good um you know what what really surprised me was the fact that i actually had to pay you know i, I had to kind of pay to get to to have the permission to bury my own mom which i found really bizarre and that in itself after going through that i kind of thought to myself that that culture needs to be you know there's a lot of things that needs to be to be changed with culture like there's good parts of it but that was one part that i just i felt disgusted about right that and and you know it's the fact that the elders themselves they were like when the person I was speaking to was about ninety six years of age is my grand uncle I don't think I've ever seen him before um, he's probably seen me at some point when I was born but you know it's just the fact that you shouldn't have an, you, in family you shouldn't hope to be burying um, you know people that are younger than you but you're yet yeah, you're you've got the you're asking for money and and you know different items here and there so i just sent him the money just to get it over and done with and yeah then we just started funeral planning it was it was literally days of running about we had to go between um lagos state and is it ogun state i think ogun state is like in lagos i can't remember exactly the the um the geography of how it works but i just, i just remember we you know when we looked at the cremation place we looked at the whole 
service we got like the full costs and and you know bless my mom because i think what my mom was also doing because she knew that it would fall on my hands as well right so she probably i'm this is what i think i think that she probably didn't want to be buried because she didn't want it to be um you know a, a huge load on me she wanted to make it easier for me so you can see even in her deathbed that she still was thinking about me and that is that is just that is what you call love i'd say uh, not not saying that i wouldn't i would have still you know if she wanted a, a normal funeral like i would have given that to her but just the fact that she was even being selfless in 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 her deathbed just shows like the kind of person that she is and uh, how amazing of a mother she is even though we didn't really get to live life together life was just you know wasn't really kind to us i'd say um but yeah so you know within that period i was there we managed to execute the execute the the funeral we got her cremated and then you know i've got the ashes with me even you know during that whole process one of the hard things that i went through and my auntie went through was not getting support from other family members like for instance like is that is that because of your mom's wishes uh contradicting cultural uh norms yeah cultural norms and what they probably believed in they they thought that maybe it was just what we wanted to do whereas it was ironclad written by her on paper right Mm. to the point where i said oh this is what my mom's wishes are she's like what you're gonna burn your mom like a chicken and i and i felt you know what that's probably one of the most disrespectful things i've you know heard i wouldn't expect to hear that from like a family member Mm. saying that as if as if that it's not my wish it's her wish you should respect it but you know that's just how it is and that you know I, i learned a big lesson from that and one of those lessons are um like family the definition of family is you know people say family could be blood but i I don't i don't think it's i don't think that's the case really because like i could say that i have friends that i could call family because of you know just the relationship that we have and how how they're just there for me in the hardest times as opposed to there for me when it's good and leave me when it's hard whereas family on the other hand you know some family members you don't get that so that that really opened my eyes and redefined some definitions wow yeah it's what it's one of those things i it was it's really it's crazy because it couldn't be like it's not like we could have couldn't really arrange like a a massive funeral Mm. but i remember on on the funeral day itself um, and then just see my mom's body in the flesh for kind of like the last times and my auntie and my uncle and my, my cousin were just there and you know like everyone was just burst out in tears I was out in tears and I couldn't I still couldn't bring myself to just touch her body like one last time because I don't know man and I don't know if it's something I regret it's weird to to say but it's just that i would have wanted to 
touch my mom if she was full of life, but she was just lifeless at that point. So, but I still like to fit, believe and think that she's watching over me, even right now as we speak. Um, but yeah, man, it was it's it's definitely one of those experiences that I'd say I say that you know that changes a a man, changes a person. It's of course after the passing of one's parent. How does one actually deal with that? Like, how did you process that or continue to live your life afterwards? How was life different for you moving forward from that point? Um, for me, so I, I to to quote to quote DJ Khaled, I'd say I played myself <laughs> after because <laughs> because um, I I thought I was fine. Right. But I, I wasn't. I, I definitely wasn't because work. They said, you know, come back when you're ready. They give you like bereavement. You know, you get time to give you like bereavement leave, right, or whatnot. Which and, is roughly and, uh, how long generally? They don't really put like a. They don't really put a stamp on how long. Right. But let's just say that once once I buried my mom, and I came back, I just had like a week. And I went back to work. Wow. Just a week yeah, after so, coming back, you went back to work. Yeah. A week after, I just went back to work. And Was that the right thing how, to do in hindsight? I mean, you know. In, in hindsight, it wasn't. But the way I saw it, is just, I just needed to get my mind off of it, you know. Um, or just do something. But at the same time, like. In terms of how I behaved and how I dealt with it, I feel like I just, you know, I just went into this world, which I'm obviously no longer part of, but um, went into this world and lived my life in a in a way that I'm not proud of by, you know, you're just messing around with girls and, mm. you know, just going out, drinking, 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 like, you know, the cliche stuff. And... Even when I was doing that, and you know some of the behaviors I exhibit, uh, exhibited, um, to me I thought that was just normal. Right. And it's crazy because, like, you know, now when 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 I think when I believe I, I came out of it, I was looking at things like old messages, and I realized that I was you know I was acting out of character, so I I, I had to apologize. To people because at that time I did not know that the way I was talking behaving speaking to people how I just looked at things was was as a result of me still dealing with the pain but mm. you know I didn't I didn't really you know I didn't really think it was um so yeah like you know at that time I just I just lived a life that was really different I was just all over the place really and just, it, it took me meeting like the right person to come out of that. So what were some of the things that your friends did that really helped in that moment? Um, or or friends or like, family? Yeah, I'd say like friends from the get go on day one, like when I first, when I first heard, like, you know, people came to my flat and they were just there for me and they you know they just consoled me and they just tried to keep me strong 
that in itself meant a lot. I had, you know, I had friends that that had experienced um, a similar situation. You know, one of them they lost their their, their father, sorry, their dad, not too long ago, and then you know she was she helped me a lot. She just came and she said, you know, Izzy, I know where you're coming from. I know what you're going through because obviously I've been through it. And, you know, if you need anything, I can help. And person lived in Croydon. She came all the way from Croydon to Cannon Town just to, like, make sure that I was okay. Which is, like, no, what, it, like an hour away? Hour, hour drive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> so just little gestures like that. And, you know, just make texting me, just making sure I'm okay. Even when I was traveling, you know, they message me like, oh, hmm. let me know about your trip, this, that, this, that. When I get there, they call me, just make sure I'm okay. Uh, it was, that, that was, that was huge. And then like my auntie, like I can't thank her enough because she was immense. She was immense because I'm not, not I'm not proud of the fact that I, I don't know too much about culture and, and, you know, because at the same time I was, I was born there, but you know, you come, you come to the Western world and you lose track of all that. Apparently, I used to speak my mother tongue, which I don't know how to speak anymore. So you come to the Western world and you lose track of uh, culture. And it, it's, to, to be honest, it's a bit embarrassing. But my auntie was immense because she helped navigate me through everything culturally. Mm. And she fought battles for me as well, as well as fighting battles um, for herself. So I feel like she, her being strong um for both of us really helped me pull through um and you know our relationship is after that i think we were already close but after that i think our relationship just literally grew you know just just grew closer and i just i i regard her as like my mom Mm. because she pretty much is and yeah so like she was immense and she she even helped financially without any help from anyone else. So you just got to give her like the ultimate props. And I just, you know, I'm just so thankful to have someone like her because she's also very like spiritual God fearing woman. So I think having people like that just is very helpful. And yeah, man, I, I couldn't thank her enough. Wow. Was there anything that anybody did that just really wasn't helpful in that moment? Was there anything that anybody did that just that made you think that this is the worst time for you to say or do this type of thing? This is not what I need right now. Yeah. Um, like, I, so my mom has what she has a, a brother and she has uh, two sisters. Right. So the auntie that I was talking about that really was just there for me. She's the the youngest of all of them, but and then the older sister, um, she was just not really because she wasn't supportive of my mom's wishes. She was trying to make things harder for us by, you know, kind of poisoning the minds of like the elders in the family, so we wouldn't be able to essentially execute what we're trying to do. Um, so she so, so she just made it a lot more difficult for us, and then you know my she was also trying to poison the mind of um uh, the brother, and he was trying to make things hell and you know I'm not proud of it, but like like after that experience, I kind of just you know 
um, define the people who from the family that I would talk to and I wouldn't talk to. So for now, like, it's not like I'm not saying that I have any malice towards them because I don't believe in that. But I would stay clear of him and her. So that referring to like my uncle and my auntie, the one that was being very disruptive because only because like I just like a peace of mind and also because it, I think it's just easier that way. Like, <laughs> like I said, like, it's not like um, I've lived with them or they've really been there for me in times of need. So I feel like we're just family by virtue of the situation, really, of how I came about. Wow. Yeah, okay. that's that's just the truth. Right. And then as far as friends are concerned, was there anything that they said or did that just really wasn't helpful at that time? Um, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't. Nah, I think friends were were okay. It was okay. Yeah, okay. friends was just generally, like I said, friends were, they were just there for me, and they just made sure that I got whatever I needed to help me get through that episode. So I think friends were very instrumental because, yeah. You know, they were just around me when I needed them. Okay. So, I mean, obviously being a Christian at this time, was there any, like, changes in, in how you kind of perceive God having uh, your mother, you know, kind of uh, passing so young in her life? Yeah, like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I did say that I just moved away from, in terms of how I started behaving, I just became a different person. Right. So um, and in the sense that, you know, I'll just be drinking all the time. I would, you know, be messing around with women. And at that point in time, it's because the only way you 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 you, you become so far removed from God is, you know, you start acting in those kind of ways. Like I, I literally didn't anything to do with God. I didn't want to hear it like, you know wasn't praying wasn't reading the bible yeah just so that that's how i get i guess that's how i dealt with it at the time right so what 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 kind of put you back on track then um i met this amazing girl this amazing i shouldn't say girl i met this amazing woman hmm. and um it was you know one of what she said she was like oh you should come to church with me. And I was, you know, I was just, I was like, oh, um, I'll, I'll think about it. But I'm glad I actually did go because after going that one session, um, what was being preached really resonated with me. So I was like, you know, I was, I was really engaged and I was happy to come back a second time. Um, and then that second time turned into a third time and a fourth time. And then, you know, I pretty much don't really miss Sundays unless I'm out of the country or unless you're in a global pandemic such as <laughs> now. Right, right. <laughs> but with that, even we still still log on to the life. Right. So like for anybody else going through something similar now or that will ultimately go through something like this, what advice would you really give them? I would say... 
I would say, um, actually, you know what's interesting? Let me just grab this out. So today yeah. I was looking at the Bible. I was looking at Proverbs 18 and I read this verse and it really resonated with me because it, it kind of just brought me back to the time where I was actually going through everything, right? Hmm. So this is it. So Proverbs 18.1, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So around that period when I was going through so much, all I literally did was I'd be in a flat myself and I'll just be drinking on my own and, you know, like not really seeking judgment from people. Like I'll just be on my own. I just wanted to be on my own. I didn't really want to speak to anyone about how I was feeling or or anything, right? I was even in denial as to as that the, the way I was behaving was actually due to the fact that my mom had passed. So my way of dealing with it would just be to be on my own, not speak to anyone. So like I said, like anytime you have, you're dealing with anything that's, you know, that's painful or anything that could affect your mental health, I, I always say that, you know, just find someone to speak to about it because uh, you know they always say like a problem shared is half solved or something i think that's what they're saying a, a problem that's, shared that's, is a is a problem halved i think that's what i know it yeah, to be anyway exactly so you know sometimes when you even if someone doesn't have a solution at times sharing it with the person could some could also just be like a relief and i'm not saying go share your business with every any tom dick and harry i, I mean like you know with someone that's close and actually cares about you because you know they may be able to they they may be able to get you the help that you need or you never know they might have gone through similar things and they might be able to give you advice based on their experience um so yeah that's that's what i'd definitely say wow wow i mean that's a lot man um thank you for taking the time out to to kind of share your story. And I'm sure a lot of people will be able to benefit from it. Um, because you know, this is something that, that we all at some point have to go through. It's uh, one of the most guaranteed things in life. Nah, no, no worries. I just, you know, I just feel like as men, we, we can sometimes think that, you know, we're just supposed to be strong no matter what the situation is, but we're always going to be vulnerable. We're always going to have like our vulnerable points and our the times where we're just going to be super vulnerable. So I feel like it's important for us to, you know, just kind of share our experiences to hopefully resonate with someone else who is going to be going through something similar or is going through something similar um, so that, you know, when the time comes, they'll be able to deal with it yeah definitely and i think i think that's even the reason for the podcast is is for for us as men to really kind of share our our experiences um for the benefit of of other men and, and really to open up the conversation because i find that a lot of us really just keep things to ourselves and um mm. it, it's it's just as beneficial to us as it is to other people hearing um some of the things that we've experienced and that we've gone through or even going through currently yeah um so yeah, this I mean that's that's the whole reason why we're here. Just to share. Yeah, hundred percent. And open up the conversation. 100%. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. It's really important. But again, thank you once again 
for dropping in on uh, the Belated Exchange podcast. Uh, thank you for exchanging with us. And maybe one day uh, we can have you back for, for any more experiences uh, that you want to share. 100%, man. 100%. For sure. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming. And that concludes the story, ladies and gents. Just to let you know, the girl in the story he's referring to just became his fiance. He proposed during quarantine and recorded the whole thing, which is now on YouTube. This was also featured in the Metro newspaper. We congratulate them both. Izzy also has his own podcast called NBC Money Banter Culture, which you can find on all streaming platforms. That's all, folks. Please follow us on IG for updates on new episodes of motivational content. It's your boy, Zach, signing out. Deuces. Real men. Real stories. Real life. This is the Belated Exchange Podcast.